Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we're going to take a look into the special election for Texas House District 2 that is coming up. Yes, it's a special election. We're not talking about an election in March. We're talking about a special election that could set the tone for the remainder of the election cycle. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we're going to be taking a look into the special election that is coming up to fill Texas House District 2, yes, formerly Brian Slayton's seat. Now, recently, there was a debate hosted by the Van Zant County Republican Club uh, for candidates in that HD2 special election. And uh, we were extremely excited to see that debate because Texit actually came up in the conversation as Krista Shield, one of the candidates, said Texit could be a solution to the border crisis. See, in priorities question, beginning with you, Ms. Shield, in order, what are your top three legislative priorities for the 89th legislative session? Why are they your top three and what is your plan for achieving them? My top priorities are that we need to, number one, fix the national security issue and our state security issue of our border. We have to, by any means necessary, even if it is putting Texas, Texas on the ballot in March and allow we the people to vote on that in order to get our borders secure, we have to get that done. Today, we've got Krista on the show, and uh, we're going to let her take us through the campaign, what her motivations are for running, what her advice could be for those that are considering a run, and how in the world a border question came to uh, be about Texas. So, but let's let's do this. Let's before we bring Krista on, I, I want to dive into why in the world we're even having a special election, uh, and what it means for the the TNM. And and look, that you have to understand, this is a bit of a sore subject uh, for supporters of Taxit, uh, because the reason that there is a special election boils down to one state representative, Brian Slayton. Uh, many of you, if you if you don't know, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a recap. Uh, Brian Slayton was the state rep there in uh, House District 2. Uh, this session was his second session, so it was his sophomore session. Uh, and the, his first session, which would have been two sessions back, he actually was a co-author on uh, Kyle Biederman's HB 1359 which is the Texas Independence Referendum Act. And so uh, with Biederman retiring, Slayton became sort of the, the heir apparent to file the bill in this past session. Uh, on the campaign trail, Brian Slayton signed the, the TNM's Texas First Pledge, uh, pledging that he would do so. And indeed, he did file it. However, Slayton got into a tremendous amount of, of personal scandal. Uh, so detrimental, and, and I won't go into the details here because they're salacious, and, and I don't want to have to repeat that. But the the problem was is that Slayton was uh, ultimately removed. He was 
kicked out, something that we had really never seen before, uh, watching the Texas House expel a member. Uh, honestly, I think the Slayton thing kind of set the tone for perhaps the uh, the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton, or at least the attempted impeachment by the Texas House. So bottom line is, there is a hole there. Uh, not only did uh, the Slayton scandal and his expulsion tank the Texas bill, uh, it tanked a, a tremendous am- amount of other legislation that, that, frankly, he was brash enough to carry. So there is a gap, and in this time where we're all extremely concerned about a lack of responsiveness or boldness from the Texas legislature on issues that matter to the people, uh, it's important that we get an ally for the people, an ally for Texas in House District 2, because, look, sometimes you may not gain any ground, but the last thing you want to do is lose ground, right? I don't think that's going to be a problem this cycle, but here is your early opportunity to make that happen, to to uh, look at these candidates, find the best ally for Texas, and then make your decision based off of that. So that being said, uh, that, that debate performance, uh, Van Zant County Republican Club, uh, really, I, I think, became a, a great dividing line for us, or at least a, a, a test for us to be able to to look at this. So uh, before I bring on Krista Shield uh, for the interview, I want to just remind everyone that uh, we have a pledge, right? I mentioned it earlier that Slayton had signed it. We have what's called the Texas First Pledge, where candidates essentially sign the pledge from the state house to the schoolhouse. We don't mess with federal candidates, but they sign this pledge to essentially say, look, I, I uphold the right of the people to have a say in their future. I will uphold my oath that includes Article 1, Section 2, and acknowledge that all political power is inherent in the people. And I will acknowledge that I will let the people of Texas, I will do everything I can to let the people of Texas vote on Texas becoming a self-governing independent nation. That's what they do. It literally is the, the textbook definition of Article 1, Section 2. And in our estimation, any candidate who balks at that, is essentially looking at it and, and giving a line-item veto to Article One, Section 2 in the Texas Bill of Rights, right? So it's a big deal for us when these candidates sign it, and it's a big deal when they refuse to sign the pledge, right? So that being said, uh, Krista Shield was the first and at this moment only candidate in the HD2 special election to sign the Texas First Pledge. Uh, We're going to talk to her about that. So, look, without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to a candidate for HD2. But not only that, she is a tremendous warrior for the rights of the people of Texas. Who She's gone out, she's fought the good fight, and now she's fighting to get true representation in HD2. Uh, Everyone, let me introduce you to Krista Shield. All right, so let me begin by giving a very hearty welcome uh, to a, a friend of ours, a newer friend of ours, yes. uh, Krista Shield. Hey, Krista, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And by the way, Daniel, congratulations on 27 years. That's very remarkable. Well done. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it, it definitely feels like it when I wake up in the morning. 
the home. <laughs> I understand. Well, I, I got to uh, look. I got to lead off uh, by by talking about what what I mentioned uh, in the setup to to bring you on, which is that uh, that amazing debate performance with the uh, I guess it was the Van Zant County uh, Republican Club. Uh, you, you were, uh, you, you did a phenomenal job and, and I want to talk a, a little bit about that. So just, a, a you know, f- full disclosure for everyone. Uh, I actually have, have met, met Krista, uh, recently she made the drive all the way out to Denison, uh, to a speaking engagement that I had up there with the Grayson County conservatives. And we had a, a great opportunity to, to visit, uh, after it was all over with. So. Christian, t- tell me first and foremost, what what was it that motivated you to run uh, for this this uh, this seat in uh, Texas House District Two? Well, Daniel, I have been one of those mama bears on the front lines for a very long time. Uh, I could see this uh, school board stuff coming from over 20 years away, more like 25 years away. I started homeschooling my kids when uh, when they were young, put them in I, um, a public school when we first moved to Texas in 97, and uh, that didn't even quite last two years. And I uh, was helping Warren Norad uh, volunteering for his new Arlington Classics Academy charter school that he opened. And I was attending school board meetings uh, because of some of the garbage that they were putting in my uh, fourth graders curriculum. Uh, some of the books that they were forcing high schoolers to read without giving them an alternative. And so um, I've always had that that drive in me, that fight in me, been on the front lines, a lot of spiritual warfare, and I've been an intercessor for years. And the last five years, I've been more involved at the local level and, um, you know, with the Republican clubs, been a huge fan of Donald Trump and was a part of his um, POTUS Shield prophetic order of the United States prayer shield team and met in Washington, D.C. the week before his inauguration. And so I've been more on the ministry, the church, that that front line and crossed over into really being engaged at the local level, have always voted even in municipal elections always understood the importance of my vote and my voice and um, but started patriot groups and have been involved in uh, a lot of patriot groups in the dallas fort worth area uh, doing COVID symposiums and uh, had worked well um, been on the board of directors of frisco conservatives before it was north texas conservatives but i worked really well with my former uh, representative here was in austin quite a bit this year um, and I was just really disappointed that we had to lose um, him as a representative. And I think so much alike and am not only a constitutionalist conservative Republican, um, but I'm a grassroots fighter. And so I didn't see anybody else that was already involved in possibly stepping up in this race that fit that category and had the grassroots resume and experience that I did. And I know what we stand to lose right now if people like me don't step into those positions. Right. Well, uh, you know, it, it seems it seems that <clears throat> there there is a, a common motivator for folks like us. I mean, you know that, I, that I've run for office twice before. 
there is a common motivator that, that we sense, uh, a, you know, a whole where we don't feel like we're being represented. And, and yeah. I think that go, go ahead, Krista. No. So, um, what I say is it was like a line in the sand. And so that line in the sand is I'm hearing way too many Republicans go to Twitter and call us grifters. And that was supposedly the most conservative representative that we had this year. And also call us um, insignificant. And I've been a precinct chair. And I'm sorry, those folks at the GOP level locally that helped you get elected are insignificant, Justin Holland. Oh, and, hey, and, and just wait, let's let's not forget hey. that, the, that the fact you believe Texans should be able to vote on Texas means that Jeff Leach also called you a traitor and a seditionist. That's that's correct. And so and my former representative, Jared Patterson, uh, week one, called all of us in our band Democrat chairs, red shirts in the gallery grifters. And one of my favorite uh, apostles and teachers is Dutch Sheets. And Dutch Sheets said back at uh, Pentecost at a conference at Glory of Zion, where I was actually commissioned into this position by Chuck Pierce, had said, had given a message and said, we are not the interlopers. We're not the strangers in their house. That capital in Austin is our house, and we're going to take it back. And that's exactly what people like me are are doing right now actively is taking back our house from the outside and from within and we're going to reestablish kingdom order in it we have to have true constitutional order and rule of law established in our land again or else we are a communist country and we're fast approaching right well let me tell you so uh, for for those out there that are listening uh, Krista is the only candidate in the HD2 race that has has actually signed the Texas First Pledge. Now, uh, just a recap for those who don't know, the Texas First Pledge is essentially a pledge that we ask candidates to sign from the state house to the schoolhouse that, that essentially says they, they will uphold their oath under Article 1, Section 2 of the Texas Constitution, right, to uh, give the people of Texas an opportunity to vote on independence, and and uh, you know I, I think it's I think it's pretty telling, Krista, that as soon as you found out about the pledge, uh, you were all over it. Whereas some of the other people in that race, um, you know, one who's absolutely MIA, right? I mean, you can't find her with a hunting dog and a Ouija board. But you know, the rest of them have been a bit have been a bit, um, you know. Well, let me just see, wishy washy. Uh, you know, let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question: Why, why, why did you feel that it was so important to sign a pledge saying that you would do what you will swear an oath to do when you take office? Well, I had looked at Texit for years and always thought it was very intriguing. Um, and actually, when I first moved here uh, to be with my dad back in junior high in 83, um, and I ended up going back home to Pennsylvania, missed my mom and my grandma especially, um, I had told everybody that Texas seems like its own country and, uh, and that people seem very proud to be Texans. I grew up in Pennsylvania my whole life and uh, never did a pledge to the Pennsylvania flag. <laughs> and I did when I was in school here, and you know, in eighth grade. 
And so um, I thought that was really interesting. And I looked at the Texas thing. Of course, I like Alan West and, uh, and saw that he had signed the pledge. My former representative went ahead and um, it was a Texas guy and, um, and put forth a, a resolution of sorts and um, to have it on the ballot. And right. I really hadn't taken a close, close look at what Texas is really all about until recently. And I said, well, we're already in such distress with our border situation, with our grid situation, um, that I don't know that we can delay any longer. We have to really look at this more seriously. We have to put it on the ballot ballot and allow we the people to have a vote on because we're all very concerned about those things and many others that are affected, especially by our border. Right. And and again, you know, it really gets down to the question of who who is best to govern Texas. Is it Texans or two and a half million unelected federal bureaucrats? But, you know, Chris, that gets down to, I think, one of the reasons that you mentioned that you're running. You know, you, you've been pushed to that line in the sand moment where you've had to make a decision. Uh, you know, we have seen in, in uh, you know, two sessions back when Kyle Biederman filed the Texas Independence Referendum Act and that in this last session where uh, Slayton filed it, uh, you know, we we saw clearly this this disconnect, I think even more so than sort of the the uh, the attacks, on, you know, from guys like Patterson and Leach on the Republican grassroots. I mean, it, it became a very clear litmus test about how the the legislators and and you know those folks in the political establishment feel about the people and their right to vote on this now you know we, we know that we know from polling right now that if Texas goes on a ballot it wins right i think uh, survey usa poll in 2022 showed 76% of republicans are in favor, not just of voting on it, but in fact, voting yes to become an independent nation. So let me ask you, let me ask you this, with that sort of support, why do you think, from your perspective, why do you think the political establishment has such disdain for the people, and especially these allegedly most conservative session ever type, um, you know, folks in the the Texas House? Why do you, what, what do you think is the root of that disconnect? Well, um, one of the staple sayings um, that I've been putting out there in my campaign is by Francis Schaeffer. And, uh, and I said this in my opening remarks in a debate. It's, in the absence of a biblical morality, a new elite will always come forward to dictate arbitrary absolutes to society. And I believe, uh, especially being in this campaign, have learned even a new level of, um, of how money pulls strings. Um, I really think that it's connected to these folks uh, being bought to be the new elite and we're just the peons. And I can see how they not just avoid us in Austin for the most part, not everybody, um, but quite a few folks either avoid us, um, are very frustrated by our presence, and um, are even pushing back, and they're becoming more obvious that um, there's a different agenda that they've aligned with, and it's really not about representing the people back in their district. Yeah, I think we've graduated to a whole new level. I mean, you know, we've got several sessions back. You remember, I don't know if you remember Charlie Guerin dragging a cookie down the 
floor, the middle of the house to try to get Stickland off the back mic, you know, trying to make a fat joke, um, you know, just childish juvenile stuff. We've graduated from that being isolated to some to a, a few handful of these political establishment guys to just outright aggression against anyone who would have an opinion that perhaps differs from them or. I mean, they, they, they have a tendency to think that maybe we're just too stupid to govern ourselves. Well, I think part of it is, and this may sound a little out there, I think part of it is is they feel that they've seen the handwriting on the wall and that we're basically being taken captive here um, by the globalist or by whatever, you know, who's in power. And right. uh, they want to, you know, bail and get on the side of I'm going to be the elite. I'm going to be good. And the rest of y'all, sorry, you're just going to have to fend for yourselves, that kind of attitude. And uh, it's almost like a buying their way into this elite group that is going to be OK in the long run. And who cares about us? Well, it's like, the, you know, it's like when when the Republicans began to come to power in Texas and the handwriting was on the wall. Uh, I mean, you, you had party switchers like crazy. I mean, I, I can remember when I ran for state rep in 2012 down here in southeast Texas, uh, I ran against a, a multi-term incumbent, a committee chairman uh, who had recently, up until the, the previous uh, session, had been a Democrat. Uh, and, and he goes and he changes his party affiliation, and suddenly all of his mailers during the campaign were about how he was the most conservative person in the legislature. And it was like, no, number one, no, you're not. Number two, can you update your photo? You don't wear a letter jacket anymore. I mean, you know, it's that kind of stuff. But, well, I mean, you're this stuff goes on and on. But look, I'm I'm very glad you're I'm very glad that you're in the fight on this because, frankly, you know, we we've got to have we've got to have these things, um, these races contended now. You know, for a lot of folks out there who may not understand, you're running in in, the, in a special election for the seat that was vacated when Brian Slayton was essentially booted out of the ledge. So you, you've got a bit of a head start on everyone. This is not the this is not the primary that's going to be in March, right? Yes. So uh, Governor Abbott called a special election to fill an open seat um, with Brian Slayton's absence. And uh, several of us stepped up to fill the open seat. And um, it's a November 7th election. Uh, early voting starts October 23rd. And uh, you have to win by 50 plus. And if not, it'll go into a, a runoff election. And that will be determined this year. And by next March, uh, we have to run all over again. And somebody will be the incumbent in that race. Yeah, so it, it's a double whammy, but I think I think this particular special election, though, is really special in in the sense that it's not just to fill a seat. It's almost the canary in the coal mine, and, and you know, since it, it does have a bit of a head start on the rest of the races, how how do you see this particular race potentially impacting? you know, people, you know, challengers filing against these incumbents or, you know, what sort of impact do you think it might have on the March primaries? I am believing and standing and praying that this election is a forerunner for next year to show these folks that it will be um, a matter of we the people's voices speaking and crying out and saying, 
no more, no more elite, no more of you people who have all of your endorsements and money and think that this is what buys an election, that it's really about who is going to best represent the people who's actually been involved for them and fighting for them. One of the comments that was made um, by somebody after the Van Zandt County debate was this lady has already been doing the job without the title. And so I'm believing that more people are going to see that, that they are going to stand with me for that, for their voice to be heard. And that um, this is going to be a signal and all of these other campaigns that there's going to be a huge overturning of tables down there. It's time to clean house. Well, you know, in the vein of, of cleaning house, you know, I, I, you know, and I heard during the debate the question they asked about, you know, name your top three priorities. Well, you know, as, as someone who's getting elected in the Republican Party, the party actually, you know, the platform actually has legislative priorities. And I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty standard. And, and so l- let me ask you this, you know, on, on a personal level, beyond sort of the legislative priorities, what is the very first thing that you're going to push for? What is the tip of the spear issue for Krista Shield? Well, the tip of the spear has to be um, a border security for me because it is a national security situation. So um, our top national security issues are our national debt and our border. And if our border's not secured, we're not a sovereign nation. And um, we are ev- a lot of other problems and issues stem from the fact that we don't have our wall built and that we're not we don't have a defense at that southern border. Right. And so, you know, from from your perspective, because I, I noticed in the uh, in the, the debate, uh, I noticed that you were you were able to talk about the Texas referendum in the context of of border security. Can you can you clarify that for everyone and, and help them understand what the tie is for you between those two? Yeah. So if this federal administration that we're under right now is tying our hands to securing our border, to making sure that we don't have undocumented, unvetted people just flooding into our country, into our state, um, then we have to do what we have to do as Texans. And if that's putting Texas on the ballot so that we can become a sovereign nation and we can take care of the border situation and tell the government to go pound sand, then that's absolutely what we have to do right now. Right. Fantastic. And, and I look, I think I know the answer to this question, but but if the Texas Independence Referendum Act comes in front of the legislature and you are the state representative there in District 2, how are you going to vote on it? I'm going to vote for a Texas Texas referendum. It absolutely must be on the ballot. We are supposed to be a government, a, a consent to the governed government. And right now I'm seeing disenfranchisement at every level and just had to fight um, to get a supportive censure against state feeling at my GOP level to get a request for resignation of our speaker in the House because he is not even following our Republican um, Party priorities right now. And um, so 
I understand what it's like to have to push through for the people's voice to be heard. And we voted on both of those. Our executive committee, our precinct chairs, overwhelming majority on both of those. But it was difficult just to push through to be heard and take those votes. This is where we are in every level right now. And election integrity is way up there as well for that reason, because yeah. we want to make sure that this is actually our voice and our vote being heard. And um, and I believe uh, we would be a completely different nation, a completely different state if those kinds of things were actually free and fair. I, I, I cannot possibly agree more. Uh, hey, real quick, you've signed the Texas petition yeah. already, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. So, so can you imagine with me for a moment what it would be like, you know, we get the, the Texas petition across the finish line and March 2nd during the, uh, during the primary, uh, there is a question on the primary ballot that is akin to the question that, that we want to ultimately ask the people, what sort of impact do you personally think that would have? on those elections, given the amount of support there is for Texas out there among Texans? I think it would send a very loud and clear message to all of these representatives that we are going to have, we the people are going to have what we want by God's grace, and they're not standing in our way. Yeah, I think it. I think it would be amazing. Uh, I talked to uh, Doctor. I talked to Doctor Matt Quartrip last night. I think you and I talked about him a little bit. He's. We talk about him a lot here. He consults with us on independence referendums, and he. Uh, you know, he was talking about the petition, and he said, "Look, it may not be legally binding in the sense that you know it's on a primary ballot. It doesn't have any law follow up." He says, "But with one hundred percent, it is politically binding." Um, you know, you get that on the ballot, you get people to vote for it, you get it in those over overwhelming numbers and it becomes political suicide to oppose it. Well, well, look, I, look, our time is, is short. So, so I want to, I want to get to something really practical and not Texas related. Um, and, and let me ask you right now, you know, we've got people that are coming out of the woodwork that are filing to run for office. Um, you know, we've got, we've seen some great candidates jump over there and sign the, the Texas first pledge at takeTexasBack.com. You know, we've got uh, David Covey who assigned, Andy Hopper. I mean, a lot of these folks. But right now, listening to this podcast is is someone who is contemplating this run. Right? They're they're th they're looking at their incumbent, and, and they've heard my words before when I say, if they don't represent you, then they cannot represent you, and, and they're contemplating ma making that challenge. What what is the best advice? you could give to someone right now who is considering making a, a run at their incumbent? I would say this is the first time I've run for anything. And it has been, it was a challenge at first to get everything in order. I would say, get your, get your, I got my prayer intercessors in order first all over the world. We even have one of them staying with us right now, pastor from Kenya that I appreciate so much. And um, I would get all my ducks in a row. I would come out with my backing and make sure that you have some funds in that account because you may be a viable candidate like I am, but you don't want anybody challenging whether you have a viable campaign based on some funds. because. 
not only have I been able to get everything purchased that I have needed in this race so far, I've got fundraisers coming up, I've got more money in my account, um, but I have free help that others don't have because that's um, that's who is standing with me and believes in me. And I, I don't have that $5,000 plus bill a month for somebody who's a nationally recognized campaign consultant. Yeah, so, uh, and those yeah. guys are expensive. <laughs> Yeah. And I pray if you were one of those folks that's challenging a representative in Collin County, get your friends in all of those uh, districts with all of those representatives in Collin, because we want to get that word out on every one of those folks. We need um, well vetted. We need, um, you know, some serious constitutionalist conservative folks who are challenging every one of those people, especially over that Ken Paxton crazy sham of an impeachment. Yeah, which, uh, by the way, for the listeners out there, I know we've talked about this uh, a good bit, but the the Senate trial starts September the 5th. Uh, I think it's going to be... I'll be there. It's going to be one for the ages. There's no doubt about it. We don't get to see anything like this. N- none of us have in our lifetimes. No, I'll be there Tuesday praying. So Okay. Well, yeah, well, and I, I love I, your I, book, by the way. I bought well, your book. You. Love it have family in Greece and was there in 2003 listening to folks telling me we do not want the Olympics and we do not want to leave the drachma. And so we'll have to talk more about that another time, but I've got backstory on that whole thing. And I've been praying that they stand up again. The Greeks say, oh, he again, no, <laughs> no and, uh, and uh, back out of that European Union. <laughs> well, you, you and I are going to get along swimmingly because I still have family in Arta and Piraeus. I have family in Rhodes and Simi. Oh, look at that. We're going to have, this is going to be an off the podcast recording conversation we're going to have. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, super. Well, Chris, uh, we got to wrap up here. Uh, go ahead and tell everyone when, if they want to find out more about you, more about your campaign, uh, tell tell everyone where they need to go look. They need to go to www.electchristashield.com. Uh, elect Krista Shield, a shield for your constitutional rights in Texas House District 2. All right. Fantastic. Krista, thank you so much. And uh, good, good luck in your race. Uh, I can tell you that... Um, there are there are some um, there are some folks out there that are just absolutely uh, taken with you. They they think that you are the future of, of how the house uh, should be. The house of representatives should be run. So uh, good luck to you, Krista. Thank you so much, and and let's definitely stay in touch. Hey, God bless you. God bless Texas, and Texas will once again lift its head and stand among the nations. Amen. Oh, music to my ears. <laughs> All right, everyone, that is a wrap. Very special thank you to Krista Shield for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, a couple of reminders. Uh, number one, the petition campaign is full speed ahead. As of right now, we're at the midway point. So if you have not signed the petition, or more importantly, if you have not signed up to help us collect petition signatures, you need to go do that right now. Head over to texitpetition.com right now sign the petition, and volunteer to help make it happen. Uh, You know, here's the beautiful thing. You only have to hear this from me for the next 90 days, but here's the the thing. After 90 days, one of two things happens. The petition gets across the finish line, and we are pivoting to talking about 
uh, the the vote that's going to be on the ballot that you're going to get a chance to vote for Texas uh, in March, or we talk about man, I can't believe I can't believe our guys didn't come through. Well, I guess we don't get that vote now. Guess we got to really double down on everything else. So look, just just be part of the solution, right? Sign the petition. Help us get other people to sign the petition, and then we all win. And it changes the nature of the game. Uh, additionally, I want to remind you guys, the, uh, early bird pricing for the TexitCon, the Texit Conference, uh, is going on right now, right? And I think that goes on until uh, September the 10th or 11th, uh, at least the first round of early bird pricing. Uh, it only goes up from there, right? But but you want to go get your tickets now. Find out more about the Texit Conference at texitconference.com, texitconference.com. Get your passes, and we're adding speakers. There's Man, you ought to see some of the ones. I got off the phone with uh, another potential last night, and man, oh man, I think it's going to blow your doors off. Uh, reminder, head out, connect with our volunteers at events, uh, head over to the website at tnm.me slash events. And, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get this thing done, man. Let's just make, let's make Texan a reality, right? That's what it takes. You know, you heard Krista in her interview, unashamed, unafraid, unabashed. She hung it out there. And, uh, that's what, that's what leaders do. You know, we need more leaders, uh, than cheerleaders. And that's an important thing to remember. All right. That is a wrap, friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Texas News Podcast, sponsored by the Texas Nationalist Movement. To learn more about the Texas News Podcast, Texas Independence, or the TNM, please visit TNM.com.